Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From the Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network and wherever podcasts may be found. I'm Adam Sandler, and what I do is take good movies and make them poop. I take a script from Alexander Payne, the guy who did Sideways and Election Anyway, and I take it and I make it bad and homophobic, and what we have is kind of sad. We watched I Now Pronounce Chuck and Larry. It's in the bagel basket, so it's kind of scary. We watched it now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, so you know what that means. It's in the basket, the writer's bagel basket. No, look, I figured out how to solve this pension problem, and I don't have to quit the department. Great, how? What we're going to do is we're going to set things up so that you inherit my benefits if I die. That way, you'll be the one responsible for Eric and Tori. Absolutely, that's a great idea. How do we do that? Yeah. Domestic partnership. Domestic partnership. Tell me apart, Lisa! Wait up! Out of a building! Yes, it was very exciting. Tomorrow we go to the zoo. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so scared! We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Open your ear, Libya. It's time for homophobia. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kerland, and the voice you just heard is Christopher Brown returning. Yeah, so um, I got to fucking get this out of the way right up front. So this is the third time I've been on this show, and I don't know what the fuck your problem is with me, but I have not <laughs> had a single goddamn good watch. <laughs> So just to go down the list, it's been Moulin Rouge, an episode of California Dreams. Which you picked. This, uh, it was the better option. And <laughs> then this fucking piece of shit. I, I promise I have something really good for you. If it's if it's not nothing but trouble, I, I am not interested. <laughs> so you, you only want to watch nothing but trouble? <laughs> uh, I would definitely do nothing but trouble. Yeah, actually, uh, as uh, that came out, when, I think, when I was like eight or nine. And uh, I, for some reason, like really wanted to see it in the movie theater and uh, convinced my mom to take me. And it was like a weird movie to see with like my mother <laughs> when I was that little. <laughs> well, I was going to have you on for something good, but if you want something bad, I can totally add nothing but trouble to Toxic Relationship <laughs> Month. I mean, I'm just a sucker for Taylor Negron. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I can I can never talk enough about Lil Devil. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters in fiction. I, what I was going to do is I was going to have you on in February to do a really good movie for the romance month, but nope, you, you've spoken. Christopher Brown has put his foot down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine something for romance month that that would be enjoyable for me. Coming to America is what I was going to pick for you. 
Uh, you know what? I, I honestly don't have a whole lot to say about that movie other than the fact that um, I accidentally discovered that my buddy lives in the neighborhood where it was filmed. Oh. And like, I was just kind of like standing there waiting for the metro, looking around, and I'm like, oh, shit. This place gentrified real bad. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> fuck you, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, honestly, I, I, I think I, uh, I think I won out in this particular deal. <laughs> You're like, if I'm gonna pick a bad movie, I'm gonna pick my own bad movie, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> it's always an option. So, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, what the, uh, what the, what the fuck's up with this movie, huh? Okay, so we're in award season, and it may be people calm down. I am not saying that. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry should have been nominated for an Oscar and I'm not saying it was it was nominated for an Oscar. Neither are true. What happened was I had to we're ending the month with you. You are the one who gets to end this month. You are even though uh, we're recording in a different time. This is coming out in a different time. Um you get to end this month with a movie that yeah, sh- that that should have been a different movie completely. It was originally uh, supposed to be an Alexander Payne movie called I Now Pronounce You, Joe and Benny. And it was... Uh, that, that is actually not the original title. What was it? The original title is uh, far worse. The oh, original well, title was Flamers. That was the Tom Shadyac one. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. My bad. Yeah, Flamers was... So originally this was going to be a Tom Shadyac, Jim Carrey will smith movie and then (laughs) (laughs) anyways i want to live in that timeline (laughs) so so then um so then that went into turnaround and they decided well dramedies are like a trend now so they fired tom shadyak and they hired alexander payne and jim taylor who had just won the oscar for sideways and they were going to turn this into a dramedy about domestic partnerships and the unfair treatment of firefighters. And it was going to start Will Smith once again in Nicolas Cage. And that is the world I want to live in. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of possibilities here um, that are probably better worlds than the one in which we live. <laughs> well... <laughs> Now, now I'm like, hey, are you really mad at me? <laughs> <laughs> are you are you familiar with uh, Strange Bedfellows? No. It's an Australian film that came out in 2004 that has um, an extremely similar plot. Oh, okay. Uh, but it but it stars Paul Hogan, um, who is kind of like a legendary piece of shit. <laughs> so I can I can only assume that that was handled with uh, some some care and grace as well. That's not a homophobia. This is a homophobia. <laughs> yeah, so um, Alexander Payne was going to direct this, and then a man by the name of Adam Sandler got his meat hooks in it after Nicolas Cage decided to make World Trade Center instead, and Will Smith did whatever the fuck he does all day. <laughs> and yep, Probably would have been like uh, I Am Legend. I'm guessing in that, yes, in that time frame. Exactly. It would have been yeah. I Am Legend. So what he did is Adam Sandler and Happy Madison 
bought the rights and Payne was still getting directed because Sandler at this point did not have a bad track record with dramedies. He did Punch Drunk Love and... Um, yeah, but that, that was with Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, that's that's like a significant difference from the, the usual stuff that he was doing because he he's been working with Dugan uh, off and on forever. So like it, that's that's this is not the kind of movie that I would expect Dennis Dugan to be able to handle with any sort of grace. Right. But Payne was going to direct it. Um also he did Spanglish. Um Sandler did Spanglish with J- James L Brooks. That I didn't see. It's, I mean I, I I it's it's not quite as infamous I guess historically as this particular film so I, I have to assume it was probably done a little bit better but Well Spanglish was like in the same vein as Punch Drunk Love like it was that type of Okay gotcha. So Sandler proved that he can be a good actor. I mean he might get nominated this year for an Oscar for Uncut Gems. So Yeah the the I I really do not like Again, talking about different timelines, I, I don't like that we're in the timeline where Adam Sandler has a film distributed by A24. Nothing about that sits well with me, and it makes me really angry, and I, I, I want to cry myself to sleep tonight. <laughs> well, they also made Booksmart, so. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just it. A24 does nothing but put out, like, awesome movies. Like, everything I've seen from A24, I absolutely fucking love. It's, like, by far my favorite film studio ever. Like, a distribution company ever. Like, they do nothing but really good stuff, and they've put out some of my favorite movies in, like, the last several years. Like, Midsommar is, like, probably gonna be my favorite movie of the year. Hereditary was my favorite movie last year. And The Witch, and, like, so much good fucking content. Book smart. And then Adam Sandler is on one of, is in one of their films. And that just, like, it's, it's, the cognitive dissonance is is so awful. <laughs> well, that's weird because one of your favorite movies of last year was an A24 film, and one of mine was also First Reformed. I So First Reformed, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a little overrated, but, uh, but I did enjoy it. <laughs> but Sandler... He's, he can prove that he is a decent actor at times, is, is my point. And yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like Alexander Payne got bamboozled because then he got let go and his name stayed on the script enough that he still got a story by credit. But the people who are, replaced him as a script writer, did you, did you read who uh, replaced him? Yeah. Yeah. The big names that uh, stuck out to me, obviously, of course, um, they were all uncredited, but. Um, but Sandler was the big one, of course. But uh, also, uh, <laughs> how about good old uh, Favreau slumming around in this? It doesn't surprise me because this was like after like Elf and before Iron Man. So that's not shocking. Yeah, no, it, no it's, it's, um, it's definitely an embarrassing uh, thing to have on the old resume. Um, and I, I can see why he would possibly want to remain uncredited um and he may not have had an, a, enough of an impact anyway to to warrant any sort of credit too but if you're wondering who made this movie absolute garbage and shit it was uh lol gans and Bablo mandel who are responsible for such classic films as as my phone loads <laughs> um well the only good movie they did was a league of their own and okay. and it 
Oh, yeah, they also wrote Splash, but they also wrote Robots, Greedy. <laughs> oh, Greedy. Uh, that's the one with uh, Michael J. Fox and uh, Michael Douglas, right? Yeah, Kirk Douglas. Or Kirk Douglas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. I, 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 liked, I liked Greedy. That was, that was a fun movie. And the classic film, Mr. Saturday Night. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of the billy crystal ones where um that's the one like with him on the poster is, and the cigar yeah, yeah yeah is that one of the ones where uh the audience is supposed to believe that he's a conventionally attractive man <laughs> because that, that was like a thing that was happening in the late 80s early 90s no. where like he would be like shirtless in his scene in city slickers for no fucking reason no this was the one where he was a piece of shit uh late night host and um uh he treated people like crap but uh, okay mandel and gans also wrote the tooth fairy and fever pitch so you know where they're coming from yeah they're not exactly shooting for the stars um they it sounds like they peaked early and uh just have been kind of phoning it in ever since yeah, and this film, like, it's the most offensive film. I remember seeing it in 2007 when it came out 12 years ago, and I was in college, and I was like, yeah, that's a, that's an Adam Sandler movie. Like, we just watched Click a year ago. Here we are now. This is us. And yeah. watching it this time, like, my mouth was agape. <laughs> and I was like, this is the most offensive film I have ever seen in my life. It did not age well. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot going on in this movie that uh, I had some pretty big problems with, and I mean, um, I have three pages of notes on this. Like, it's just <laughs> there was I was <laughs> I told you that I was doing like some file management on my computer. Like, I just had this on in the background <laughs> and would kind of like look over to it periodically. I had captions on and everything, so I wouldn't miss anything. And yeah, it's just, I had to just like stop what I was doing and just stare at this and like give it like a, a Lucille Bluth stare uh, just because it was just so fucking disgusting. Well, before we get into our notes, why don't you give us the blockbuster rule, aka the John Curlin rule? You're in a blockbuster video, you look at the back of the box, and what does it say yeah. besides don't rent this movie? Uh, two homophobes screw the system by pretending to be gay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I would say one and a half because Larry is not as homophobic, except in regard. Never mind. He he hates his son. No, no, no. I, yeah, he he has a big problem with his son. Which in the original in the original script, did you read this in the original script? Yeah. Do you want me to say it or do you want to? Oh, by all means, uh, after you. <laughs> in the original script, his son, in, in the Alexander Payne script, the son was a figure skating prodigy who was closeted and was embarrassed of his father uh, coming out as a homosexual. Because apparently they did a better job of convincing people in the Payne script that, that him and Chuck, Larry and Chuck, were lovers because they were such close friends. Which yeah. I... Don't expect anything less from Alexander Payne. The man gave us sideways. He made wine cool. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that, um, just on a very fundamental level, that doesn't make sense about this movie, I mean, obviously there's many, but um, that, that really struck me is, how are the two of these guys friends? When you, have, when you compare like their lifestyles and just what their out-of-work life is like, how can they find anything in common? 
Because Adam Sandler clearly a sex addict in this. Like, he's definitely got, like, a major problem. The second he moves into the house, he has, like, dozens of porno mags being, like, delivered there along with a blow-up doll. And he's constantly hanging out with Tila Tequila and uh, and other uh, Hooters employees. And he's, he's, like, a fucking maniac. And then Kevin James is just trying to do his best, like, raising a family. I refuse to call them by their names in this movie. Uh, (laughs) Yes. So Kevin James is a widower. Which, so in the original, when Alexander Payne got this sold before uh, Happy Madison usurped it, it was Nicolas Cage and Will Smith. And Nicolas Cage was was Larry. And Will Smith was the ladies' man, which is believable. But that's entirely plausible. But this is going to drive you crazy because you're a David Lynch fan. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a David Lynch fan. So originally. The uh, um, there was going to be a Wild at Heart reunion. Laura Dern was going to be the attorney. Oh Jesus! Doesn't this make you mad now knowing this? That so the thing is, I'm still not sure that this would actually be a good movie. Uh, it, the the whole concept, especially back then, would have had to have been treated with such care. And I'm just I'm not convinced in 2007 that. Um, the necessarily, you know, the majority of Hollywood was ready to do that sort of thing correctly. So like, the the original people who had the rights to the script was Focus Features, or no, Fox Searchlight. Uh, oh, okay. Fox so, Search. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Fox Searchlight had the rights. Payne was going to write and direct it, and okay, and the things that it was going to talk about was the. The reason why they had to do it was because of the pension thing, but also yeah. be- because of 9-11, um, their rights kind of got flipped on their head, I'll say. So that's interesting to me because um, Sandler did reign over me right before this. So I'm wondering if he pulled out the 9-11 aspect specifically because of that. I, I I was thinking the same thing because I was going through his IMDb and I was like, yep, there it is. And Jesus. Sandler, okay, he's made three movies I've liked. Now as an adult, as a kid, like he would do the wacky, goofy shit and I, I loved it because I was a dumb, stupid fucking kid. But So, so uh, you don't mess with the Zohan. What are the other two? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so the the three films of his that I've loved are Funny People, because it's literally just Great Gatsby, uh, Punch Drunk Love, and um, uh, Going Overboard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I got to stick with my roots. And for the longest time, The Wedding Singer. I always loved The Wedding Singer. I still love The Wedding Singer. I will actually defend anything Sandler through The Wedding Singer. Uh, because the, the early movies are goofy as all get out, but they are what they are, and uh, they're, they're fun movies. Like Parts of them haven't aged well, but you know, for the most part, they're, they're harmless. And he's not homophobic. Um, yeah, yeah. He's not dropping uh, the other kind of F-bombs left and right like he does in this movie, which is insane. Like, the first time he said it, I was fucking floored. <laughs> <laughs> and not like, in a good way. 
no like i like my jaw dropped and i looked at the screen and it's like like expecting him to have some sort of facial reaction to like saying something completely heinous and just nothing his his face was blank like he just said the word pizza he might as well said the word pizza it was fucking disgusting (laughs) yeah so let's replace the f word with pizza so anytime so those sure. of, those of you listening at home, when you hear the word pizza, think of the very derogatory term that Adam Sandler is using begins with an F and describes the homosexual community. So he's saying yes. pizza left and right. Yes. And mind you, this is 2007. That's fucking late for that. That is well after people have realized like, oh, that's a pretty goddamn hateful word like let's not use that anymore and he has no problem just throwing it around in this script yeah i told you that i was gonna tell you all of the the wacky stuff like that Haley and i were doing while we were watching this because the things we were saying she's like this isn't appropriate for now this wasn't appropriate for then and i said this wasn't appropriate for 1957 yeah i mean I can't think of any particular period in time where this actually would have been acceptable because like back then they didn't have, they didn't say things like that. Like in public, it was like, I mean, maybe if you go to like some shithole bar or something like that, you might hear it from someone, but like, yeah, they would have had been saying like, Oh, he's light in the loafers or like made some like, like he's a confirmed bachelor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Some like weird old timey, like euphemism. Um, I can't think of a period in time, which it would ever feel okay to have like heard this in a movie. Uh, nothing, nothing. And Uh, especially this many times there was, this movie was just riddled with pizza. Oh, actually you and I are both wrong. They have handled a subject matter like this with care two years before this came out. A little film called Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fine. Um, Brokeback Mountain benefits from being a drama, though. Uh, I, I think that pulling off a comedy is going to be significantly more difficult because, well, as you can see with the decisions these particular filmmakers made, um, they're drawing comedy from, from really bad places. Well, yeah, um, I mean, they're trying which, to get blood from a stone. But, but also... <laughs> But also, once again, Alexander Payne's script was supposed to be a dramedy, more focused on drama. Yeah, I mean, that, that could have potentially worked. Um, the, I think, so what I really hate um, about a lot of the humor of this movie is it's based on getting the cheap laugh. So they'll make a gay joke in it that's intended to laugh and then right afterwards they'll be like oh no 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 but seriously that's 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 not that's not okay and it's like that's fucking not okay that's that's not you you are playing for the laugh you got the laugh that you wanted like you have to own that shit don't be like backtracking left and right yeah the way the way i describe it is it's like ripping a giant fart in front of your kid and then being like hey don't laugh at that don't laugh at me ripping a giant fart. I laughed, but you can't laugh. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, like when you play something offensive for the laugh, you're not allowed to backtrack on it. That's that's how <clears throat> that's how I feel about it anyway. Do you know who we haven't even talked about? Uh, anyone besides the main two characters? <laughs> well, we haven't even talked about what the fuck is Jessica Biel doing in this movie? Was she trying so hard to get away from Stephen Collins in Seventh Heaven that she did this movie. 
yeah, what was her film career like up until this point? Because she might not have had a whole lot in the way of options. She uh, did The Illusionist. Oh, interesting. She had already done The Illusionist. And even though it's not a great movie, it is still a fun, guilty pleasure. She also did Next. It also, it also isn't riddled with uh, slurs either, The Illusionist, uh, as, as far as I can remember. Well, yeah, and also Next with Nicolas Cage, she did right before this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it was probably a combination of like a paycheck and like oh, if if you know if you work with Sandler, like yeah, that's great visibility. She clearly wanted career. to work with the Sandman. <laughs> yeah, and um, insist on having him touch her boobs. Okay, that uh, drove me crazy. Well, these are real, by the way. I mean, nobody thinks they are. Everyone thinks they're fake, but they are real. Alex, you don't gotta lie to me with two girls hanging out. Come on. Are you kidding me? There's no silicone here, I swear. Oh, no big deal if they are or not. I don't care. I've got nothing to hide. Feel them. Feel them? Feel them. I, I mean, I, 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 I have a, uh, I'd rather feel a, a flabby man pack, to be honest with you. So I was looking through all of the promotional stuff for this movie. And every promotional thing was just her in a bra or her in the Catman, uh, Catman, Catwoman uh, suit and just basically being taken advantage of. And it's really yeah. upsetting. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's not OK. Um, the, I, I tried to find humor in like weird moments uh, in this. And a lot of that was just in the way like things people would pronounce things and everything like that. So after, so Jessica Biel convinces Adam Sandler's character, who she is convinced is gay, um, to she's basically like picking him up as like her best friend and like goes shopping with him and everything like that. Yeah. Every and time she, that happened, Haley was like, um, "Conflict of interest. Conflict of interest. Conflict of interest." <laughs> yeah. You are, you are their attorney. Yeah, and she is the attorney. Yeah. So at one point, she asks him to feel her breasts because they are, quote unquote, real. And uh, he kind of resists at first and then just goes right for it. And the way she responds is like the only enjoyment I got out of that. The way she, because she said, told you. But the way that she pronounced it was like, told you. Told you. Yeah. And that was (laughs) the only enjoyment I got out of that scene. (laughs) So here are the four movies she did before she made this piece of garbage so going backwards next home of the brave which is about um uh veterans coming home the illusionist and elizabeth town some of those are are not great i mean they're cheesy yeah. but they're still really good movies in comparison they're st- to this. they're still not this oh and how can we how can we not talk about stealth in Blade Trinity. <laughs> Beale in this movie, like, I feel like Adam Sandler was in the office and he's like, can we please just put my wife in a movie where she can be like the romantic lead for once? No. Let's get uh, someone hot. Oh, get that Jessica Bill girl. I think she's hot. Shwoobly doobly. Well, the thing is, it's like Jackie Sandler isn't an unattractive person. Um, it's just she's I, I think she's more of like a has like more model features, which don't necessarily translate to um, conventional like Hollywood style, Hollywood like standards of attractiveness or anything like that. But I, I think it probably has more to do with the fact that she's not an actress. 
or she, she, I mean, she doesn't really take on many, much in the way of like big roles or anything like that. She hasn't done anything that's more than just a handful of lines or a couple of scenes here and there. <laughs> she did a handful of lines. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he, she and Sandler ended up married. <laughs> oh man, I gotta lay off the cocaine. He's singing about <laughs> his red hooded sweatshirt. Dip, 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 dip. Yeah, so Beale, she's clearly at least minimum 10 years younger than this guy. Maximum 15 to 20. Yeah, but that doesn't really matter in Adam Sandler movies. He's always pitted up against um, women that are significantly out of his league. Um, even even in, like, grown-ups. Uh, Some high. <laughs> Yeah, he's with the more age-appropriate Selma Hayek, but yeah, he's also with Selma Hayek, who is not someone that is uh, in Adam Sandler's league. He should really be dating someone that has, like, I don't know, like, the physical features of, like, a a Mad Magazine fold-in for a face. So David Spade. (laughs) Oh, God, Spade in this movie was uh, fucking real bad. Uh, I did I did not care for Spade in this movie. I did not care for what he represented. I did not care for the messages he sent. Everyone in this movie, I, I was saying to you, and then I kind of, I'm going to backtrack now. There, There's only two decent people, I texted you, I said there's only two decent people in this movie, and that is Steve Buscemi, who is supposed to be the villain, Clint Fitzer, and then yep. Ving Rhames. And I'm backtracking because Buscemi, I would say three-fourths of his character, is just trying to do his job in a decent guy. But then that courtroom scene he's just an asshole and that's where he is a terrible person but ving rames and maybe nick swardson are the only two decent people in this movie nick swardson's character i think is fine he's a well-meaning uh well-intentioned individual uh the dialogue he has is is not good <laughs> but you, then again the dialogue everyone has in this movie is not good well you know that swardson like improvised all of that yeah, so I, I, I've been talking a lot about the Grown Ups series, and I, I highly recommend that you check out Grown Ups 2. Do yourself a favor, listen to a bunch of episodes of The Worst Idea of All Time, first season, before doing it, because it'll kind of kind of like eases you into the into what you're in for. But uh, Swartzen is in it, and he has very few lines of dialogue, but one of his first is talking about how his wife threw him out. And it was because she caught him, and I quote, eating a banana with my butt. And that is like the Nick Swartzen that I am used to. So actually seeing him play like a decent character was like jarring to me. Well, there, there was also, which you will be doing in a future episode, uh, that, what was that porn star one that he did? I'm joking. I'm not making you do that porn star movie. Oh, I was going to say, um, no, that was, um, he's like, oh, no, no, wait. Yeah. Dickie Roberts. No, Dickie Roberts was, um, was Spade. Oh, that's Spade, too? They all had weird name ones, like... Yeah, it's just all, like, character names. Yeah. And you're supposed to keep it all on track. I mean, I now nope. pronounce you nope. Chuck and Larry. <laughs> like, like, Yeah. You're supposed to know who these people are and give a damn. <laughs> yeah, it would be so much better if they just, like, went by their own names. It's like, I now pronounce you... Um, Adam, Adam Sandler and Kevin, and Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> the true story of what happens when the king of queen ends bucky larson yeah bucky larson yeah yeah, yeah that's the one so look forward for so, christopher on that episode <laughs> yeah yeah i'll i'll probably be commissioned for that 
No, uh, I'm not going to make you watch any more bad <laughs> movies because now you're making me feel sad. <laughs> now now so, I don't want to know more. <laughs> spe- well, speaking of uh, feeling sad, uh, can we talk about the various styles of humor in this film? Absolutely. Uh, one is we got to let's 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 start on the on the more obscure end of things, uh, because obviously homophobia is rampant throughout this. But don't worry, there's also a lot of fat jokes. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, people are fat shamed left and right. Uh, Kevin James, the movie opens up with a hilarious scene of the boys uh, rescuing an obese person uh, from a fire. Um, oh, thank God. Holy shit, I'm over. I'm sorry, I can't get out of bed. There's a bed under there. Can you walk at all? I haven't walked in five years. All right, maybe if we strap a rocket ship on this guy, we'll get him out of here. No, no, we can do this. People with cars, it's adrenaline, you know? Well, cars, this guy's more like a freaking minivan. Hey, buddy, we're going to help you out here. Come on. How's my mom? You might if she survived the birthing process. Nothing's going to take her down. I thought that was was Paul Vogue um, from Mad TV. (laughs) What's that? Wasn't that Paul Vogue from Mad TV? It might have been. Um, yeah, the, the, when they're rescuing this guy, he yells like, is my mother all right? And Sandler in the middle of a fire trying to rescue someone takes the time to say she survived the birthing process. Nothing's going to take her down. And it's like, for fuck's sake, man, like (laughs) this is so goddamn lazy. And then it ends up that they fall down the stairs. The big guy lands on Sandler. Kevin James asks if he's all right. Kevin, uh, Sandler gives a thumbs up. The guy farts and then Sandler hilariously gives a thumbs down. I get a joke about someone taking off <laughs> a heart on my face. Like, oh god. I I wouldn't have been shocked if like halfway through this movie Kevin James just goes, "Hey, where did you get that acoustic guitar from?" <laughs> <laughs> and like Oh yeah. And oh I, I was I was just gonna say, should we talk about the racism? Well, hold on. Before we get to that, the the okay. other decent character, the other decent person in this movie is Ving Rhames. I'm gay. I can't believe I finally said it. Oh God, it feels so good. It's like a wave is crashing over me. Ooh, ooh. Ow! It's so liberating. Oh yeah. Do you remember the first time you said it? First time I said, said, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was with Larry. Your lover. Yeah. By the way, is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Who? Yes. He is the only good thing in this movie. In a Bing sh- Rams. Bing Rams is responsible for the only good scene in this movie, which isn't funny. It's a straight up dramatic scene, and um, it's the only good scene in this movie, and it's the one where he comes out to uh, to Adam Sandler on the basketball court. And that's like the only part of this movie that felt sincere, um, uh, completely not cynical. There, there was another scene for me, which was from um, from Payne's script. The only reason why Payne and Taylor's script are they get credited for their script is because of that scene. Doing mm-hmm. my research, and the courtroom scene when they're they're telling their side of the story. Of. Oh, right, right, right. When it flashes back and forth between the two and they're talking, like genuinely talking about how they love each other, um, like granted as friends, but they're, you know, they're being genuine in, about their affection for one another. That I would say is an, the only other decent scene. That was the scene that I did not hate when they're talking so, about. Uh, well, yeah. going back to what you said, how did they become friends? 
they became friends because they watched a child die. I truly believe that's why they became friends because they were on that call together. It, 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 yeah, it bonded them. I could, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. They imprinted on um, each other like a capuchin monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like a werewolf in Twilight. Uh, I was I was getting kind of bored during one point of this, so I started coming up with like just different theories. Uh, and they played uh, that song, "The Air That I Breathe." I think when um, Jessica Biel comes in for the first time, and I started wondering to myself, like, I wonder if Adam Sandler hates Radiohead because that's the song that um, that sounds exactly like Creep, and the reason that they have to have like other songwriters listed on Creep because mm-hmm. it's it's due to similarities in it. So I'm like, I wonder if Sandler hates Radiohead. Well, what, then, like, what's later playing on, when they make out? High and dry. So like later on in the movie, like my own fan theory was squashed. Like I, I could just imagine Sandler as like this omnipresent sort of being laughing at me. Well, it makes me so upset. <laughs> get no enjoyment here. Because high and dry is in like my top 10 favorite songs of all time. I love high yeah. and dry. I love it yeah, so much good- that... On a radio show that I used to have in college, I played it so much that Lils, who was co-hosting for uh, a few months for for me while one of my friends was out, she goes, please stop playing this song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's a very good song. And uh, fortunately, it's here in this movie to, you know, make you die a little inside uh, when the scene happens for other reasons besides just the fucking way the scene's playing out. Well, yeah, I mean, so... Jessica Beale is just as much of a garbage person because she it's her who initiates the kiss. Like like Sandler, yeah, he's horny and he'd fuck a feather duster and a pencil sharpener and probably a foot long sub. But yeah. but he's keeping his shit together in that scene when they're foot massaging what is it? It's a foot massage? Yes. Yeah, because th- this entire movie is just weird. And it doesn't make sense for her to fall in love with Chuck. I liked the art. I'm sorry, Adam Sandler. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep your, your standards <laughs> of this podcast. Um, it's, it, do- it doesn't make sense for her to fall in love with Adam Sandler. The whole point of the movie is for Kevin James to be getting over his dead wife. And yes. And I have to do the song that Haley and her, uh, Haley and Cole created in the Plans, Trans, and Automobiles episode. Dead wife, dead wife. Kevin James has a dead wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, like the whole premise would be for him to find someone new. That should have been the B plot instead of like everyone being like, oh, we hate you, we hate you, we hate you because now you're something we didn't know you were. Like, right. the, and Dan Aykroyd is the worst thing about this movie. I love Dan Aykroyd. I do. He's a Ghostbuster, he's a Blues Brother, but he is awful in this film. He is also uh, the judge in Vulcanvania. Yes, he is. <laughs> Soon, patience, my pet. We will get there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, Dan Aykroyd, um, he sucked in this. He was a real piece of shit. Um, he was, like, the only thing he did that was of any merit whatsoever was fucking up the trial at the end, fucking up the, the hearing by going in and actually coming clean. Yeah, but he would have, they would have gotten away with it if he just shut up 
Just let them kiss. And they, they shouldn't have gotten away with it. In what, in what world should they have gotten away with this fucking Because the ruse? movie would have been over faster, Chris. The movie would have been over 15 minutes. God, imagine if this movie had like a 65-minute runtime and that is how it ended. <laughs> well, did, I ever, did I ever tell you about the, um, the edit I made of uh, Independence Day? No. I, call it, uh, I called it July-4. And um, <laughs> basically, I took out any comic relief feel good moments or uh like just jokes or anything like that and it ended up cutting out like about 40 minutes out of the movie so everyone (laughs) dies uh yeah that is basically the punchline that it builds up to because like (laughs) it basically has to go to credits when they ask like where will smith and um i forget the character's name where will smith and uh jeff goldblum are yeah the guy turns uh... to the camera the guy turns to the camera and he's like Sir, we've lost contact with them. And then it has to cut the credits there because the rest of it is a feel-good moment. <laughs> well, so for this podcast, I, I cut together a clip of how uh, in Bobby's world, the the crossing guard dies. And <laughs> did you see that on Twitter when I posted that? Yes, I did. <laughs> um, the music, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, when is a good time to talk about uh, Rob Schneider and oh, one of I, the most offensive was... portrayals of an Asian person that I've seen in quite some time? Do you have the links? Yes. Yeah. Now, the links are a symbol of eternity because in the link, there is no beginning. There is no end. Because it's a circle. That's kind of nice. It's not like a triangle. A triangle has like a corner in the end. This one is a circle. So I, I was looking up um, so when Roger Ebert was sick in the hospital, he was watching movies and catching up on reviews. And this was one of the movies. And he opens it up with the most offensive portrayal of an Asian American since Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's how he described Rob Schneider. A yeah, man- I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> A man who was, who was dying of throat cancer have had yeah was able to crack a joke yeah i like that um that's that's pretty interesting to have like someone's dying words like that uh on well your it wasn't his like, dying I words Schneider ever think about that. he, he well, lived yeah, six you years know, you later know I mean. before they you know actually I mean. removed it, his throat is yes y- yeah you, you know what i mean but like um it's similar to like how walt disney like after he died someone found some notes that he left behind and one of them just said um kurt russell <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I just love that so fucking. Is much. that why they cast him in everything? Uh, I guess Walt well, he, really he was, loved Kurt Russell. Well, that's the weird thing. He was already in a bunch of Disney things at that point, so Walt was just sitting there behind his desk, wrote down Kurt Russell for some reason, and then that was like one of the last things that he did. Well, I want Kurt Russell to play Bert in uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it all to him unless my cousin, my brother Roy, poisons me first. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Hey, Walt, uh, I brought you your afternoon juice. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Shifty eye, shifty eye, shifty eyebrows, eyebrows, eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but, so we, had, we, have, uh, we have Rob Schneider as an Asian person. He and we is, have uh, Sean Hunter's dad. Teeth. We have Sean, Hun- Sean Hunter's dad from Boy oh, yeah, yeah, Blake, Car- Blake Clark. Yeah, he's um, 
I I don't know what Adam Sandler has on him, but he degrades himself so much in all of these goddamn movies. Except for Fifty First Dates. He's like, I'm going to cut you a break this one time, but in the next well, movie, well, you have to piss yourself. Well, he was funny in uh, The Waterboy, too. I thought he had a, his his part was pretty good in that. Farmer Fran? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Blake Clark is not treated well. Uh, he dances surprisingly well. He seemed a, a little more spry than I would have given him credit for. Also, Robert Smigel as a horny mailman? Yep, yep. Um, might as well get him in there. Uh, why not? Oh, We're putting and a lot of people in for horrible, horrible things. So let's let's get Smigel in as well. Know whose feature film debut was this movie? Uh, I'm gonna have to guess Dave Matthews. <laughs> no, no. Um, he had already been in a different Adam Sandler movie at this point. No, it was uh, Lance Bass. No, no, he was in that shitty uh, online movie. So, oh shit yeah that movie was great <laughs> you'll be doing that soon too <laughs> <laughs> um no he was uh it was jamie chung from sucker punch and she was okay this was her debut film she's one of the hooters girls oh that's fun oh. um yeah her and her and tila tequila and let's not forget degrading a doctor we haven't even talked about how they degraded a doctor. So they Doctor Honey? Poor Doctor Honey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it's Doctor Honey. Jesus Christ. Yeah. How do, first off, yes, he's a sex addict, but how does he get these women? Like Well, he's Mr. February, as they constantly make reference to. And they don't really make it clear what like contextually you can kind of figure out what they're getting at, but they don't really make it clear that uh, what they're talking about until the very end of the movie, when they make a homoerotic um, men firefighter calendar. Yeah. And which, you know, very sensitive. Once again, fuck Dan Aykroyd, not in real life, Dan, Danny, I love you. You're the best, but his character Phineas J. Tucker, who that sounds like like the conductor of a dream locomotion. <laughs> this <laughs> locomotive runs on dreams and rainbows and hopes, and I am Phineas J. Tucker. Waka waka. <laughs> but yeah. Um you know you know who does not like Dan, uh, Dan Aykroyd? This is just kind of out of nowhere. Who? Is uh Paul Stanley from KISS. He hates Dan Aykroyd. Uh <laughs> So basically, they were both kind of seeing Donna Dixon in the oh, early eighties. Yeah, I've heard this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Paul Stanley like wrote some songs about her and everything. And um, I ended up, I I did a weird Kiss Vision Quest a couple years ago where I listened to all of their albums and read all of their autobiographies. If you haven't heard the you know, episode of Jukebox Zeros that Chris is on, please listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I went on that like weird vision quest, but yeah, in his autobiography, he, he dedicated some a good a good chunk of uh, a good chunk of space to talking about how how much of an untalented hack he thinks Dan Aykroyd is. Dan Aykroyd is the greatest. I love Dan Aykroyd. He does a lot of charity work. He's a good person, but and he will sell you Crystal Head vodka uh, before even saying hello. <laughs> Did you ever hear the last podcast in the last left interview with him? No. <laughs> the first question he answered it by bringing in Crystal Head vodka. <laughs> <laughs> he 
Here, uh, try some of this. It comes out of a skull. Anyways, uh, you want to talk about driving Miss Daisy? Uh, <laughs> but, but like his calendar pose, he's giving the finger to everyone. That's not well, sexy. Fair enough. <laughs> it was probably yeah, like. But I mean, he- it was probably Dennis Dugan trying to give him direction, and they're like, "Well, that's the photo we're using." <laughs> Uh, Dennis Dugan, uh, also known as the director of the film, uh, who had a cameo as the homophobic cab driver. Everyone, so, in yeah. The, I mean, Always ev- good. everyone in this movie needs to be sterilized. And can we go back? We'll go back to Schneider in a minute. But we totally glossed over the son, the son who child services should have been on the set of this movie. Because the way they treat yeah. this kid is like garbage. And Uncle Chuck, you left this in the kitchen. Hey, don't you look at that. I Actually, you know what? Give me that. Maybe he should look at it. Stop it, Chuck. This is an experiment. Seriously. Eric, see how this makes you feel. Open it up. All right, that didn't go well. And, and... Yeah, they dress him up like Flashdance. They give him a uh, rerun from What's Happening fedora for him to, or uh, um, beret <laughs> for him to wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he looks, the kid at one point looks like uh, Louis Anderson from Coming to America. Because <laughs> he's wearing like a red plaid um, yeah, yeah, yeah. scally cap. And, like, they treat him like such garbage. And he's, like, the sweetest kid. He loves his dad. He loves his Uncle Chuck. God knows why. And he's yeah, they're, a really they're good tap awful. dancer. <laughs> well, uh, actually, you know what? I'll tell you, that was another satisfying scene for me. Um, when, I mean, it started out rough, but I, I liked how it resolved. When, um, at the school... Alan um, Corbett? Which are... Yeah, whichever whichever of the uh, the the Chuck and Larrys uh, is there to to he's what was it? It was like a teacher conference or something. He's, it was he's uh, Parents' his, Day. Ah, uh, yeah, par- uh, yeah, yeah. So parents are talking about their uh, their careers and everything. So another dad starts telling him like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're all set for the Cub Scout trip, and uh, we're also all set for a little league." And he's basically implying that uh, he's no longer welcome to partake because he's gay. So the two of them end up in a fight, and. Uh, Kevin James's kid ends up getting pushed around by another kid who starts uh, using the pizza word at him. And what I really enjoyed yeah, was... your dad's a pizza James's and so kid. are you. <laughs> yes. So Kevin James, uh, the kid, just does a split on the spot, uh, Johnny Cage style, and just punches the guy in the balls. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> well, every time he did the split... Even Haley was like, "Oh God, that that even looks painful for a girl." Like she's like, she she was like, "That would be painful for me." And I was like, "Do you know who it's not painful for? Jean Claude Van Damme." <laughs> yeah, he uh, he does a lot of that. Him and uh, him and the guy in uh, Jim Cotta are are both very good at doing splits. I mean, th- I gotta you gotta give it to the kid. Like he is very talented, and yeah. But then the scene that made me feel so bad for this kid, I felt bad for the kids twice. I felt bad for the little girl being in this film when she had to be in a toilet because... Oh, Sam- God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sandler forgot to put the toilet seat down, and she fell in. 
But honestly, they have bigger problems if the little girl is not looking before she goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything's all right. I'm just going to sit on this toilet, assuming that the toilet seat is down. <laughs> but Well, I mean, to be fair, Kevin James... Like he's doing his best, but I think he does in many ways have a kind of cavalier uh, approach towards parenting. <laughs> so I, I think what that gave that it away the hot dog salad? Oh no, it was his. Uh, what do you call it? A bolognese, and it was like pasta with like a hamburger on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was the same scene with the hot dog salad. <laughs> um, and oh, Jesus, but I felt awful for the kid when Sandler goes, "Hey, uh, was the kid's name Eric? What was the kid's name?" Uh, yeah, might have been Eric. I don't know. You're asking me, and I'm, I can't even distinguish between Chuck and Larry, so I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be of much he, use He here. says, hey, little boy, look at this, and it's it's a porno mag, and the kid screams, and I'm not convinced that that was not a real porno mag. Like, I'm pretty God, sure... <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine how fucking fucked up Sandler's life could get? Because he's he's one of those people now that is um, his net worth. I was looking it up is estimated to be around five hundred billion. He is one of those people now that is so rich. Whatever fucking weird thing he wants to do, he could probably get away with it. Did you so say five hundred like, million or five hundred billion? Five hundred million. Oh, because I was like, uh, if you said five hundred billion, he could basically commit a crime and no one could ever touch him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he basically can as it is. So, if, like, for some reason, he's like, ah, to get the shot, we need to show the kid the real porn. Like, he could probably do that and get away with it, have enough people look the other way. Oh, Jesus Christ. That, that much money, absolute power corrupts absolutely. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're referring to Sandler as just being corrupt. He, he, you were the chosen one! You were supposed to bring balance to the force. I don't know why I went into Sid Caesar, the force. <laughs> but yeah, like Sandler. Is, yeah, Sid Caesar and a little bit of Irvin Kirshner in there, which I think helps. Yeah, well, yeah Irvin Kirshner here. We're going to make a picture about the Star Wars. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just love that Sandler clearly doesn't care about anyone's like well-being in this movie but then he tries to be a loving stepfather and yeah it's he kind of changes with no real provocation honestly if i'm being completely blunt he should have been this way towards these kids from the very beginning if he was so that would have made a lot more sense like because you can be like a complete scumbag but still be good with children and i think that that's kind of what they were trying to play off with uh with him and his relationship with the kids and also making fun of a little boy for for liking tap dance and for liking the film flash dance that you want to wear all of uh, jennifer uh, beale's outfits that's wrong and he's a really fucking good tap dancer <laughs> I think I already yeah, said was, that, but this kid's a fucking good tap dancer. Well, can we talk about the joke that he had about the kid at the beginning when um, they were talking about uh, Kevin James threatened to shove a pole up his ass, uh, up, up Adam Sandler's ass at the beginning of the movie. And Sandler responds, you're talking to me or your son? Uh, it's like, that's a that's a little boy that he's talking about. Like, fuck what the you, fuck is Sandler. wrong with you, pack of shit? <laughs> I'm Adam Sandler, and I don't care who I offend. 
<laughs> Sam, I think this is the movie that made me lose respect for Sandler. Because, like, the year before, like, I, I'm not going to lie. When I was leaving high school and going into freshman year of college, like, Click came out. And I'm like, okay, this was weird. Because Fifty First Dates came out the year before. And I'm like, okay, reuniting with um with Drew Barrymore. It's kind of cute, cute premise. I would, would I own this movie? No. Would I watch it again? No. Did I hate it? No. And then Click, I'm like, sure. okay, it's getting weird now. And then, yeah. then this, I'm like, okay, I'm getting uncomfortable. And then Zohan, I'm like, okay, I'm done. All right, enough. Thank you. Thank you. We've seen yeah. enough. We will be in touch. Don't call yeah, us. Yeah, honestly, this movie kind of came out and um, I forgot that it existed almost immediately. Like it was just kind of in and out of my consciousness. Um, you don't mess with the Zohan. I haven't seen, uh, but I will say just based on commercials alone, I hope that Adam Sandler's coffee is too hot to drink for the rest of his life. And when it cools down, that it's too so cold that he has to just dump it on the ground. <laughs> I want that to happen to him as a result of fucking Zohan. I have no idea what that means, but I'll agree with you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it, it's about the it's about the amount of ill will I'm willing to to put out in the universe towards an individual. Uh, <laughs> the only the only thing that I the only nice thing I can say about you don't mess with the Zohan is at least it got Sandler to get physically fit and healthy and prevented him from getting diabetes is what he said. He said that this movie <laughs> helped me get my weight up. Good. Good. You got in shape. Fantastic. Stop yeah, in me- making shitty films. Yeah. And meanwhile, in Grown Ups 2, uh, he goes to bed while drinking like a large glass of soda and has a significantly large bowl of potato chips with him that he brings to his nightstand. Ugh. The guy's disgusting. <laughs> In this film, I still, I mean, the one thing I'll say they got right about a sex addict is that he's willing to fuck anything that moves because the blow-up doll, I mean, Mm -hmm. poor Kevin James's maid. I feel so bad for that woman. I don't feel bad for... I don't feel bad for her because she was completely taking advantage of Kevin James and the family. True. She's, also, she's another bad person. Don't don't lump her in with Ving Rhames. She's a piece of shit too. <laughs> no, I mean it's at the end of the day in the good person category, it's just Ving Rhames and these two children. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how I, about um? I just picture. How about a- I just picture Ving Rhames standing next to these kids and be like, "So I guess it's just us. You want to go get some ice cream?" <laughs> I guess it's just us and my new husband, Nick Swardson, getting oh, married at the same fucking quickie chapel where Chuck and Larry got married earlier in the movie. Because we needed to bring back Rob Schneider. Yes, you- yes, yes. Um, hey, here's a question for you uh, about the very last shot of the movie. Was the the venue for the reception, was that being lowered into Horseshoe Falls? Because that's what it looked like was happening to me. Would you be upset if it was? <laughs> No, I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck I saw. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just praying that it was. (laughs) Jesus, Scott, I want them all to die. We'll lose lose two good children and two good adults, but man, we're cracking a a lot of eggs when we're making this omelet. (laughs) What if the movie ended with like everyone being wiped out, the apocalypse comes, and the only people that are left 
are Swartzen and Ving Rames to take care of these two kids. <laughs> well, and don't forget Dan Aykroyd because he has to hand feed the the young girl cake. Oh, God damn, Phineas J. <laughs> Tucker. <laughs> Good old Fintuck. Oh, and uh, let's not forget uh, Sandler's regular cast of characters. You got John Tratoro's brother. You got um, the guy who had the lazy eye or the cross eyes and um, the water boy. Yeah. Sandler. Yeah. Seth Rogen before Seth Rogen. And then um, yeah. Peter Dante. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I will say, Dante, most of his lines were reduced to like hateful bullshit. I wanted more Peter Dante talking at the beginning of this movie because I fucking love the sound of Peter Dante talking. Hey, guys, it's me, Peter Dante. We are going to play basketball outside. I don't know why he sounds like Seuss from uh, from Gravity Falls. Hey, dude. <laughs> What's up, yeah, bro? Yeah. <laughs> It seems like every word actually requires some effort from him to get out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, Doc. Talking about my feelings. Is he the real-life version of Muggsy from the old Warner Brother cartoons? <laughs> Come here. Yeah, if, Come here. Yeah. Slap, 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 slap. Yeah, maybe if Muggsy never learned to talk properly, uh, we'd, <laughs> we'd have something. Rocco and Muggsy. <laughs> a friend of mine has a theory that um, that Peter Dante actually fucked his own voice up because, like, Sandler had him talk super weird in different things for comedic effect, so now he just can't talk normally anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Oh, wait, he he talks normally in um, Eight Crazy Nights. He's the Foot Locker. Oh, I haven't seen that. He's the Foot lo- Locker logo. And he talks... Well, like- and he talks... He- I think he talked normal in the Water Boy too, because that was his, I believe, his first Sandler uh, collabo. But uh, yeah, as you go along, like down the road, uh, it, down through the years, like his voice gets just weirder and weirder as time goes on. And I'm gonna feel like an asshole if I find out that he has something wrong with him that's like slowly making his voice weirder and weirder. But, he was hit by a truck, yeah. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he was never quite the same, and it wasn't like a Toyota Forerunner. He was hit by a Mack truck. <laughs> He was never quite was the same. Hit, I was hit by one of those long vans that they used to transport the church kids. <laughs> the church kids. Now I just picture Dana Carvey as the church lady driving this car. <laughs> also, yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta be honest. I thought of that because uh, earlier today we drove by a church that had one of those for sale out front, and it just has like a sign on it that says "Bo," and I'm like. I wonder what the lowest they will accept for this is. I'll give I you a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Yeah, but I'm shocked that they didn't get uh, Carvey to show up as the church lady in this movie and be like, you two are going to hell with your friend Satan. Yeah, I mean, uh, playing the Rob Cordry role. Yeah. Cordry in this movie, like... That that scene with the protesters, and then they cut to all of the couples crying and being attacked. It felt weird, right? It felt yes, it did. Because it's like these poor people don't need to be in this Adam Sandler movie. They've been through enough. This movie is homophobic. It's transphobic. Um, uh, friend of the podcast Ashley Rogers, I believe, um, she had already done this. 
but everything about this movie just is so offensive and it could have been i still think that if they focused because i think the original movie actually ends or the original alexander payne script ends with them realizing they are gay Yes, it does. Um, yeah, because I, I did some digging and I uh, just tried to find at least the original thing. But yeah, they realized that they actually had feelings for each other and and they pursued it. Yeah. Which I think is a perfectly nice ending. Yeah. Instead of, uh, yeah, don't use the pizza word. That's offensive. It's like calling me in. And then he... literally, literally the last one of the last scenes, Adam Sandler turns around and declares that to everyone. Hey, everyone, don't use the pizza and not <laughs> even the pizza word. He's like. Hey, everyone, don't call people pizzas. It's bad. Yeah. And again, no no reaction on his face to show that he is aware that he is doing a bad thing. But then he says, then he says the K word for, for you know, my people, for Jewish people, he says the K word, which that's, that's worse. Stop, shut up. Stop talking. Stop talking. Now, is that... Now, I don't mean to sound insensitive here, but is that the sort of thing where, like, you can say it about your own people? Or is that just not good? <sighs> I feel like you shouldn't say it at good, all. It... <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm, uh, I'm coming from a place where I, I want to learn and I want to know. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of how it seems to me is that it's just it's a err on the side of not doing it. <laughs> and then they try and be funny. And, and Kevin James is like, and it's like calling me fat boy. Um, no, that's different. That's pretty significantly different. God damn it. You people suck. Every Everyone in this movie is just a garbage human being. Um, I'm trying to think. Are there any? Is there any piece of shit in this movie that we have not discussed? Actually, Jackie Sandler, got to give her credit. She's not a hateful person. She's playing a teacher. She actually uh, does who... a good job as a teacher who's trying to de-escalate things. You were married to a woman, right? Yes. Does that mean you're half lesbian? Hints, Mr. Valentine is here to talk about his career today, okay? Yeah, I would say she's she's probably the fifth person who's all right, but, I mean, we didn't see her after class ended because, I mean, she could be, like, like drinking on the job and saying, like, really hateful things about specific races or something. Yeah. Given this universe, or, I assume she probably is racist or something. Or she could be married to um, Alan Corbett's character who is the one who gets into a fight with Kevin James. Yeah, she could be. I, I think the Man. only decent person besides like Swartz and, and Ving Rames and the kids, I'd have to say Dave Matthews as the shop owner. His portrayal is not good though. <laughs> yes. It's, it, but he it's, doesn't it's, commit murder. <laughs> he doesn't commit murder, but at the same time it's like again, like I, it, I I'm not I'm not cool with this, Dave. Like you're on notice. <laughs> <laughs> this is why people hate Dave Matthews. Um, First it was the shitty songs, and then it was this. <laughs> I Okay, there is one last piece of shit thing that I want to talk about before we get to bagels. Um, I have to say, Dan Patrick in this movie, ESPN anchor, sports anchor Dan Patrick is the most offensive cop. And like... Oh, yeah, Jesus. He, like... Oh, two things. Dan Patrick, let's talk about him. And then we we glossed over in the teacher's day or in the, the parents' day, career day, whatever the fuck they're calling it. There is one kid who matter-of-factly asks 
hey, do you have two jobs? And the way he says the offensive slur, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say what it is. The way he says it is so matter of fact that he doesn't realize what he's saying is wrong. And that's what's terrifying. That Yeah. It's like yeah. Sh- well, that's that, that's what I'm saying with Sandler too. But yeah, it's it's. I'd say, like to your point, it's more horrifying seeing it come from a child. Yeah, and and then um, now back to Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick, I I guess he has this lifelong friendship with Sandler ever since. I, I guess it, it was the Water Boy. Could be a life debt. Like Sandler might have saved his life. <laughs> like it's an in the air tonight type of thing. Like <laughs> I saw you drowning and I did lend a hand. Drum solo. <laughs> I can hear you coming. Just imagining him fucking sing it. Um oh actually, yeah, here's another great thing about Beale too that I forgot. Uh she she isn't <laughs> free of slurs herself because there is that moment when um uh, Sam Lowe was talking to her about uh, his coworkers not playing basketball with her, and her response is, "Those Guidos wouldn't play with you." <laughs> and it's like, "Holy shit!" I told, "Oh my god, yeah." And and it's like you're supposed to be the attorney. The one thing she did that that it's not redeeming any of the shit she did. She is a bad attorney. She is a bad portrayal of an attorney. But the one good thing she did. Um, is as an attorney, some attorneys to comfort uh, their clients if, if they have children, they will hold the hand of the child going into court to let them know that everything's okay. She did that. That is the only decent thing that she did as a lawyer. The okay. o- only decent thing. <laughs> yeah, That's the only yeah, realistic I- lawyer thing she did. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, looking at my notes here, and I'm not I'm not seeing anything that we haven't talked about or that I want to bring up at this point because I'm just already depressed enough. <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> but it just it, it. Do you think that if it went the way Alexander Payne wanted it, if in the three act structure, um, Nicholas Cage gets Will Smith to marry him? then they actually start showing signs of, of a domestic partnership and then they actually realize my wife won't do anymore. I was overcompensating by being a womanizer because we are both in love with each other. Would this have been a good award-winning film? That's really hard to say because like I said, it's a very delicate balancing act. Well, uh, let me get my multiverse movie. gun and we'll go... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is, I, it's certainly possible. Uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk though. Um, again, there's, a, there's a lot riding on it, um, between both the actors involved, the way that the director presents the written material. And then it's not considering the fact that there could be studio intervention or anything like that after the fact. So there's a lot of variables. I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I certainly do think it, it could have been a significantly better movie. I, okay, so, I mean, we, we bash on the Golden Globes on this podcast a lot, but I think this would have at least won the Golden Globes. I mean, yeah, completely possible. Um, it, it certainly would have done better than all the Razzie nominations that this ended up getting. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's also an award season. <laughs> it got <laughs> The thing that makes me upset is that it was nominated for every Razzie Award category and did not win one. It should have won 
Yeah, I wonder what what it was up against in uh in 2007, 2008. What uh what was up that season? <laughs> uh, I think that was the year of Norbit. <laughs> Fucking Norbit. I had completely forgot that that existed. <laughs> the film that prevented oh, the film that prevented uh what's his name from winning an Oscar? <laughs> Eddie Murphy from Oh wait. Wait, actually I I got it up here now. Uh the most nominated film of 2007 was I Know Who Killed Me. <laughs> Which that was uh, that was a film if I've ever seen if I've ever seen one. Have you seen that? Stay tuned for the podcast to hear Christopher Brown talk about. I know who killed me. <laughs> yeah, is, uh, is that I the one where she me? has the prosthetic leg? Uh, Lindsay Lohan has the prosthetic leg. Leg, our arms are. Uh, she has prosthetic. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, she's a prosth- She has a prosthetic limb and she's a stripper, right? Yep, that's the one. Yep. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I know who killed me, Norbit. And looks like Daddy Day Camp were the big winners. Directed Daddy Day Camp, directed by Fred Savage. Well, I mean, he's done better things, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this film was garbage. I am sorry you had to sit through it, but this was an experiment, and I am sorry you had to be the guinea pig. I will give you something well- good. <laughs> I promise. Well, you know, my, my my wife and I did try to watch this at one point before because we had a we have like weird goals where we're like we try to like watch everything of something. It's like we've tried to watch all of the Brendan Fraser movies, uh, which we've done most of, and we decided to just like dive into the Sandler catalog and watch some of the more painful vehicles there. This was the only one that we ended up turning off uh, a little ways into it because it was just it's too much. Um, it, it was too much for 2007, like we said before. It's way too much for now. It's just, it's it's not good. It This is probably going to be the lowest rated movie that I do. So how many bagels are you giving it? And remember, for movies of this bad, we can give negative. So I'm not going to go into the negative because I think that that's where you're going into the territory of like Troll 2 or something like that where um, it starts becoming fun again. Uh, this, uh, it's just, it's nothing. It's, it's a nothing. It's, it's, it's not a movie. It's, it's, it's nothing. Um, I'm going to give it half a bagel. Yeah. I'm giving it half a bagel for Ving Rhames because Ving. Yeah. That's, that's basically it. Like there, there are a couple good elements that survived the original script and for that it gets half a bagel and then for Sandler, uh, it loses the rest of it. Yeah. And Kevin James, this was like his feature film debut or something like that. Like, the, not the movie. <laughs> this is not the movie to to do that. And then yeah. we then we well, got a uh, future uh, Christopher Guest, <laughs> Christopher Guest, uh, Christopher Brown <laughs> reviewed movie. Uh, Here comes the boom, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, uh, I just watched uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 recently. Um, oh, you said you uh, were going to probably... say on the podcast what the horrifying Jackie Sandler scene was. You you said her... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so Jackie Sandler is in that movie briefly. And so the, the premise of this movie is that Paul Blart is attending a security guard conference in Las Vegas. While As you a, do. Uh, qu- <laughs> yep. While a quote-unquote heist is going on in the same hotel. Is this the one that so, has Neil McDonough in it? It is. It is. Oh, Neil McDonough. Yeah, I, I feel just as bad as you. <laughs> so, during all this, um, one of his uh, security guard friends is like hammered at the bar and is like leering at uh, Jackie Sandler and like hanging over her. And 
she's like visibly uncomfortable with the situation. So Paul Bart looks over and says, Officer, in need of assistance. So he starts walking over, and you think in a good world that he would go over to his friend, kind of like pull him off and be like, hey, buddy, I think you had enough. Like, let's let's go off. Let's finish your night. Instead, he starts trying to convince Jackie Sandler that she has this guy all wrong. And at the end of the scene, she's like, maybe you're right. Maybe he is a good guy. And it's just fucking sick. It's gross. <sighs> God damn it, Kevin James. God damn it. Like, yeah. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh, and there goes the other yeah. half of the bagel. Um, yeah. <laughs> and thank, thank you for doing this. I appreciate yeah, it. No, wor- no worries. Uh, I'm glad that I did watch it to the end because the second half did not make up for the first half, but it certainly, it lightened the load a little bit, I would say. Um, to, to see the two assholes kind of come around a little bit. It, it, it made it a little bit easier to, to deal with. So, yeah, no, I'm glad I actually finished watching this just to say that I did it, but uh, I will never watch this again. <laughs> I vowed that the first time I saw it, and I saw it this time. So. Um, oh, I thought of another person who was decent. Richard Chamberlain. Richard Chamberlain, who was the city council guy. Yeah, he was, he was pretty neutral. Yeah. Um, he didn't have any strong things going on either way but also they casted him because he's gay in real life and like it's like well he's in this movie so it's got to be okay right yeah i kind of got the impression that they were doing that with like him and lance bass and, and a couple others but then like for people who are actually playing meaty roles in this as like gay people they're all straight it's like it's it's this it's movie, bad it's bad. awful it's just shitty it's shitty it's half bad. a bagel half, half half a bagel and it can go fuck itself <laughs> Um, is there anything you want to promote? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I just finished mixing an album for a band called Down City Armory. Uh, that should be out, uh, probably within a month or two and that should be really fun. And, uh, also I do a podcast called Old Men Yell at Cloud, uh, in which myself and, uh, past guest of the Bagel Basket, uh, Patrick Barry, along with our friend Jim Schultz, uh, review albums uh, that we have on Jim vinyl. And we, uh, I'll get Jim it. on here. <laughs> I said, I'll get Jim one day. I'll get him on here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that should be, uh, that should be fun. Um, it, yeah, and Scott's going to be on an episode of that uh, in the not-too-too-distant future. I think you uh, booked me for two. <laughs> yeah, um, but the way that the length at which we book out episodes is ridiculous like we're talking 2021 in our so i'll be dead by then um (laughs) (laughs) they'll just have to reanimate my corpse um yeah so uh also i want to give you a plug uh with uh discography deep dive uh Oh yeah, yeah. That just uh, that just wrapped its first season. I I uh, love Radiohead, I, so I I love that you did Radiohead. <laughs> oh, awesome! Yeah, glad glad you did. Um, it was a fun series to do. I'm glad. Uh, my turn is over, and uh, Will's is going to be doing the next round of it, which should be really fun. Yeah, I forgot what she said she was doing. <laughs> uh, uh, Sparks. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that should be fun. So you can and follow. Then. Uh, yep. Hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, I, oh, 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 I was just going to say, um, and rumors are, it's not confirmed yet, but I think uh, Patrick is going to be taking on Soundgarden for the third season. So Ooh. we're uh, we're thinking ahead. Should be should be really fun. Should be really interesting. Um, it's a fun series. I'm glad we're doing it. 
and I'll be on doing Captain and Tennille. <laughs> <laughs> Love will keep us together. Um, so if you want to find us, we're on the iTunes and the Twitters and the the Instagrams and Facebook, and you can email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. Uh, if you find us on iTunes, give us five stars. If you don't like us, then you can troll us, but we're not going to respond. I don't negotiate <laughs> with anyone. <laughs> um, so until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Chris, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, no problem. This was, um, it, it was fun in the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. everybody, this is Kelly Reynolds and I'm the host of Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box. Join me for a new episode every Friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers. From the sweet, loving, fairy tale romances of the Highlands. Who cares uh, about up against the wall by the fruit <laughs> trees? Yes. Like, where's the dragon? Uh, inside the belly of a dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with Navy Seals. Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come okay, on, you guys. Good. Really. We read it all. Check us out at Boobies Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. You can also support Boobies and Newbies on Patreon.com for lots of bonus booby content and early episode releases. are bombing all over the country. They are posing as movies you already know. They may be in your theaters, your neighbor's home, or even your own. Why are you doing that voice? I don't know. <laughs> I thought it made me sound cool. It doesn't. I'm Jason Bishop, host of the Invasion of the Remake podcast with co-hosts Sam Stepanenko and Trish Coughlin. Join us each week as we rotate talking about your favorite films and their not-so-favorite remakes. We'll also dig deep to find forgotten films that we think are more worthy of remaking, complete with our own fantasy casting. You can get all 130 episodes and counting on... Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and all the best podcast providers, even... Frickin' YouTube. For the low, low price of absolutely nothing. Join the invasion. Subscribe today. Or we'll blow up your planet. Hi, this is Tony, the host of the Flix X-Raid podcast. Each week, I am joined by guests. Hello. Yo. Why, hello there. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. And we have a roundtable discussion where we dig deep and x-ray a bunch of our favorite films and some really terrible ones, too. We really like to go back and take a look at films that may be forgotten, maybe in the past, and still lovable films. If you want, you can follow us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Google, Stitcher. If you want to find out more, you can find us online at www.flixxray.com. And you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you want to reach out to us. Good night, Internet. <laughs>